For thousands of years, humans have dreamed of building obedient, mechanical servants that would free them from their labour. It's only now, as electrification takes the place of fossil fuels, that this dream comes close to reality. The ancient Greeks described how the god of fire, Hephaestus, built automata to assist him in his workshop. And the dream may be older than that, older even than iron. On a patch of wall in Knossos, the central complex of the Bronze Age Mycenaeans, the god's name is etched in Linear B, one of humanity's first alphabetic scripts. It is a dream that has been pursued ever since. The 10th century caliph, Al-Maktadir, built in his palace a silver tree, on the branches of which perched mechanical singing birds. Automata like this were constructed for wealthy rulers, from the palaces of Byzantium to Westminster Abbey. But these were toys for the rich. For most of humanity, for most of history, automation and mechanisation were rare. Wind, water and steam would eventually power mills and factories. With the advent of steam, the first fossil fuel, coal, would come to dominate the economy. These fuels would, over just a couple of centuries, unleash a vast source of energy. The energy they provided would power the Industrial Revolution, transforming the global economy and our daily lives. The machines they powered would, in Adam Smith's example, fulfil many discrete steps in the manufacture of a pin, allowing for the division of labour that shaped the Industrial Revolution. In this model, humans were not freed from their labour by machines. Rather, they would be bound to the machines, serving them as they worked. And all the time, the emissions these fuels released were transforming our climate and environment. And even then, the machine's power requirements limited their action to a single factory or production line. Early electrification would allow the more efficient generation and transmission of power. As we came to understand the harmful impact of fossil fuels, it would both drive and allow the use of new emissions-free and renewable power sources. The first electric industrial applications would still be tethered to their power source. Early drive technology could be inefficient and was hard to control with any precision. It would take efficient batteries, electric drives and charging systems to make electric applications more commonplace for consumers and for industry. These technologies would bring power where it's needed. While allowing for more precise control and efficient use of power. Today, we begin to see electric devices in factories and warehouses and in the public realm of street and sky. Hello and welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Alex Conacher. And I'm Rian Owen. In this week's episode, we have partnered with Zappi Group to learn about the technologies that have driven the development of electrification for a variety of well-known industrial OEM brands. The group is made up of several electric drive component companies and is now moving into autonomous navigation technology with the acquisition of Bluebotics. Electric motors, high-frequency battery charges and motion controllers pioneered by the Zappi Group have made electric and hybrid vehicles more and more ubiquitous. They offer the hope of a world where the need for fossil fuels is limited to fewer and fewer applications in our everyday life. They make possible a truly green economy fueled by renewable energy. But these are big dreams. 
goals that we can share as a species. As individuals or as businesses, we base our decisions not on this grand scale. But on the individual utility of the devices and the tools we buy. That was how Delta Q's Vice President for Business Development and Marketing, Lloyd Gom, found himself looking at his own recent investments in electric power. He'd always mowed his lawn with a diesel mower. I've got a, a city lot here in Canada. It's not massive, but you know, it takes me about an hour and a half um, to do both the front and the back. And, um, you know, shifting to electric was just an amazing experience. And what I'm referring to there is not because I'm puffing my chest out and feeling good about the carbon footprint. The real experience is it's just better. The equipment is better. So I, I live in Vancouver, so when things get wet, as it often does, and you're trying to mow through wet, soggy grass, the gas mowers I had, they would just um, chug and sputter and then you'd have to lift lift the lawnmower so that it didn't have as much resistance. Whereas my new one, it uh, you know the variable speed motor just ramps up. It detects more resistance and uh, it goes through it. It just works better. That new mower might help save the planet. It might be quieter. It doesn't need filling with fuel. But the real benefit for Lloyd was that electronics allow the integration of drive, sensors and controls, delivering power where and when it's needed. Bringing these technologies together. Batteries, charging systems, drives, sensors and controllers. Required the clever combination of parallel innovations. Zappi UK application engineer Gareth Jones has worked for the company for 18 years. He's seen firsthand how innovations in electric drive and power electronics have worked together. One of the first big leaps came in the material handling sector. We were pioneers in the development of AC motor controllers. So historically, the market was using brushed DC motors. These motors had their own inherent flaws. The carbon brushes were subject to wear and would need to be replaced which no business owner wants to waste time and money on. But they also limited the innovations that could be brought to the market. And power electronics had its own limitations. The technology of microcontrollers and power electronics uh, historically wasn't fast enough or developed enough to allow us to drive brushless AC motors. But as this technology improved, we was able to implement this technology into our motor controllers, enabling the industry to make the jump from brushed motors, DC brushed motors, to AC induction motors. This was really a, a pioneering move for us, and now the entire market has uh, moved to AC. An AC motor now can be more reliable, smaller, therefore cheaper, and now more efficient as well because we don't have the losses in the brush. So it's really a win-win-win to move to this uh, motor technology. Batteries have a key limitation of their own. They offer much less energy density than fossil fuels. That means an electric self-powered machine can carry less energy with it than a diesel-powered rival. But this limitation encourages engineers like Gareth to consider efficiency in every step of their designs. And electrification allows for integrations that optimise power use. This was an early innovation Gareth and his colleagues worked on when developing systems for lithium battery power forklifts. 
we developed integrated steering systems. And with every battery powered machine, every joule is precious. So with these integrated steering systems, we was able to decouple the steering function from the main hydraulic function. So this meant that the uh, main hydraulic uh, motor could be off while we was only requiring the steering. So this allowed us to save double figures in efficiency and also allowed us to increase the performance of the steering function as well from the point of view of safety. Once the customers made the move to electrification in their factories. Zappi was able to layer new innovations on top of that change. New technologies, they allow us to be more efficient, but also they allow us to increase the safety uh, levels for different uh, safety functions. So because we have more sensors and we have more processing power from the ever improving microcontrollers that we use, we are able to develop new technologies to make the machines more safe. For example, we pioneered the use of double microcontroller technology. So basically this means that one microcontroller is doing a cross-check of the other microcontroller. So in case of any errors, then the other microcontroller will spot this mistake and stop a potentially dangerous situation. So this was really driven by Zappi Group, and now it's become uh, a market norm. While Gareth was helping develop some of the key technologies that would allow for electric-driven vehicles in factories, his colleague... ...was working on two projects that would herald the use of electric power on our streets. The success of both, though, was limited by the technology. And the broader engineering ecosystem of the time. The bare technological limitations showed themselves on a consumer e-mobility device that had become something of a meme in recent years. But at its launch, it was a breakthrough. And for certain professions, it still finds its uses. What held it back? From a technology point of view, it was really an innovation. I mean, a self-balancing vehicle, uh, fairly safe, you know, for personal transport. It, it was for sure an innovation. One of the challenges with Segway was, of course, the pricing. It was a quite expensive product if you compare to the electric scooters of today. The technology available at the time meant that the Segway was bigger, heavier and more expensive than today's e-scooters. And its self-balancing design added to the cost. That may have been safer, but did customers really need that? Owners of e-scooters seemed to manage well enough without it. So when they made their purchasing decisions, they looked at the features. Looked at the price. And stuck with familiar technology. Until smaller, cheaper, less feature-rich e-scooters came to market. Power-wise, it's a smaller vehicle, so maybe less, less stable, if you like a little bit more challenging to ride because you have to balance yourself. But, but on the other hand, people can do that. So the self-balancing function was maybe not needed. A more appealing technology came slightly later. Hybrid buses offer local authorities and transport agencies clear benefits. In cities, they help reduce deadly local particulate emissions. And contribute to limiting climate change globally. For local authorities who must win the support of voters. Or for transport organisations. Who may face litigation for the impact of their decisions on the public. Environmental impacts must be considered. But even here, the benefits of electrification must be considered in broader terms. 
our entry point into bus came came in the early 2010 something like that today uh, together with volvo uh, where we developed a hybrid bus solution so a hybrid bus combines an internal combustion engine with an electric battery by doing that you could cost optimize at the time you could drive electric in some parts of the city and then you could start the diesel engine uh, to, to charge the batteries during the route um, if necessary at the start this technology faced its own challenges not so much the mismatch of price and features seen in an ambitious innovation like the segway but that it entered a market that was not entirely ready for it but even back then 2010 we experienced some some uh, interesting failures if you like i remember very early when we had a, an electric bus running in london we had an, an our technician had a, an error report and he went out uh, on the field and uh, found out found a fault but what he found out was that the driver thought the system was failing because it was quiet and he didn't realize that the bus could take off quietly with the electric system so he thought when the diesel engine was not running that he had a failure so he was not pushing the gas pedal without hearing the diesel engine and, and that happens when the, the batteries were, were fully loaded because then the bus could take off the electric system. Bringing new technology into the market requires training and familiarization for operators. And that also applies to the service technicians who work on it. Even more so when you're moving from one engineering specialization. From one field of physics? To another entirely. To educate the, the full service organization in the city on to, to service also electric hybrid buses took some time. It's high voltage. Uh, you have to be careful. Uh, and most of the service technicians are mechanical engineers and not electric engineers. So that has also been a, a barrier to growth a little bit, but it's coming now. As electrification moves out of the factory. As it spreads into the construction industry, for example. Access to local high-voltage power becomes an issue. While authorities in many European cities are now mandating the use of low or zero emissions equipment. Work on construction sites often starts without access to three-phase power. This is something which will need to be considered uh, deeply as these industries move into electrification. And it will need to be a, a collaboration between in this case, the construction uh, sites, uh, the companies who are are building, for example, the houses, but also the local authorities. Uh, there needs to be um, an involvement of all the stakeholders in this to make sure that it will work. And the regulations, which would be defined by the governments, are also going to be a critical factor in driving this forward. We can see then a series of hurdles new electric technologies must overcome. For individuals and businesses, new products must balance price and features. Clever inventions like the Segway may offer appealing features. But there will be a limit to the price consumers will pay for these. More success comes when... Like with Lloyd's mower. 
or the material handling equipment that has been a big part of Zappi and Delta Q's business. Innovative products with clearly improved features. Can be offered at a similar price to legacy technology. On a bigger scale. In a city or a large business. A switch to a new technology must be embedded within a broad organisational change. Operators must be familiarised with the equipment. And engineering specialists must be retrained or recruited. But there are other barriers to widespread adoption of electrification. These must be addressed first at the level of national governments. Gareth and Klaas have been working on the development of electric utility vehicles in India. Electrification has great benefits for the, for the environment there because some of the cities there are so polluted, the population is huge and they have a huge amount of vehicles um, producing dangerous emissions and electrification seemed to answer a lot of that, a lot of those problems. But still, the electrification has not really t taken off as I expected it would do. And then we have to think, why has this happened? Because the technology is there. So why has it not been successful? But then you have to look at the other factors which need to come into play. All the planets need to align for one of these mass markets to, to take up electrification. And uh, in this case, of course, they haven't. Infrastructure for charging is really a critical factor. And if that's not in place, you know, that's one planet not aligned, which means the mass take up of that uh, technology will not go ahead. Building that infrastructure. Supplying it with electric power. Without the price shocks we've seen in recent months. We'll take action that goes beyond national governments. Sometimes that challenge seems insurmountable. It's the human condition to believe that the world is unchanging. But these changes have happened before and will happen again. I think sometimes we take for granted the infrastructure which is in place for our internal combustion engine vehicles. I mean, this didn't appear overnight. Even for the fuel, we take for granted the fact that in 10 minutes we can put enough energy into our vehicle that will last us a week. But the amount of infrastructure behind that is significant. That oil has to be drilled out of the ground, oil refineries, pipelines, distribution networks. There's a really significant activity to get that energy into your car, which we all take for granted. As Gareth says, the planets must align. But for those high priests of the era of electrification, whose role it is to monitor the movement of the heavens. Or at least the broad trends of the market and of business performance. Like Delta Q co-chief executive officer and chief financial officer. Sarah McKinnon. The conjunction of influences is becoming clear. We've uh, closely uh, monitored what's happening out there and uh, adapted our own technology so that we could be part of this exciting new electrification uh, journey. So a couple of areas of technology, primarily around battery technology. So the move to lithium battery technology has enabled some of these emerging uh, applications to be possible. And uh, our, uh, our products work very closely with, uh, work very well with lithium batteries. Sarah has been working in the business for 10 years. Looking back, the, uh, the, the, the market size, you could say, uh, of vehicles that were electrified uh, is, is relatively small, a kind of a niche business, you could argue. Uh, but with these enabling technologies, 
with the market preference to electrification now, the awareness of, of climate change and the impact that electrification can have in terms of sustainability, uh, the market uh, and plus the technology I've spoken about earlier, the market itself is is opened up and is now massively bigger than than really when when I joined Delta Q. As the market gets bigger, there's much more awareness around these applications. You know, they're sexy. Uh, the uh, talking about competition and who else wants to be at the table to enjoy this this you know really growing market so but we, we think it's a really exciting time where will this rapidly growing increasingly competitive market take us while part of sarah's job is to monitor the movements of the economic heavens it has been lloyd's role in part to watch the horizons of the market what do we observe in our day-to-day lives or what what taste changes or, um, you know, expectations are changing. So, you, you know, you talking about last mile delivery, if you think of the way we're all buying products now and our expectation for them to be delivered to our door with, you know, shorter and shorter wait times, what enables that for a company like Amazon who focuses on, um, you know, the customer experience? and um, you know, satisfying this expectation. Well, there's a number of innovations going on. We've seen um, companies like Amazon talk about delivering uh, using commercial drones. Um, so that's an example of you know, a battery powered piece of equipment that isn't a recreational toy. It is, you know, it's to actually deliver packages within one day uh, when they're relatively close to a distribution center where conceivably they could have a fleet of these. You know, that is happening in a lot of different examples. Other examples for drone applications would also be delivering lab tests quickly. There's a number of companies working on that, as well as other medical equipment in countries uh, that don't have reliable logistics and uh, delivery infrastructure. This use of electric, battery-powered autonomous vehicles operating in the public realm will go further than just delivering goods to our doors. They will change the way public services like healthcare can be delivered. Innovations will allow the electrification of more and more of the economy, creating positive feedback loops. The balance of price and features will drive purchases from consumers and investment by businesses. This will push engineers and businesses to develop new skills in electrical engineering. Demand for power will increase pressure on governments to support renewable power generation, storage and transmission networks and create incentives for the private sector to build a global electric power network. Just as it built fossil fuel networks in the age of the internal combustion engine, This will bring us to a new world that is now moving after thousands of years from dream to reality. Everything that moves people, products, components, the the factory floor of the future, it's gonna become more and more electrified. We see that trend. And, uh, you know, frankly, we're just sort of the, you know, in Canada, we, we like to talk about growth when it's exciting in terms of a hockey stick. Um, So we're definitely um, seeing that effect on the application side. Every day we were engaged with uh, clients who, who, you know, want our expertise 
but they're in a new application space that we have to learn about uh, to make sure we uh, design the right, uh, engineer the right system. Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media. This episode was written by Will North. I'm Alex Conacher, and my co-host was Rian Owen. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson, series supervision by John Young, and our own superior driving force is Rory Harris. Special thanks to our episode partner, Zappy Group. Thank you for listening. You can find Engineering Matters on all podcast apps, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on LinkedIn.